Hello, and welcome to Monday Night Football, your voice for youth soccer, not just for Louisiana, but for the entire Northern Gulf Coast. And now, introducing your host, Alan DeRitter. Hello, everybody, and welcome to our July 29th edition of Monday Night Football, your voice for youth soccer. I'm Coach Alan DeRitter. I'm the head soccer coach at um, De La Salle High School for the boys and for the girls and the director of coaching at Soccer Innovations of America. And we always start off our show with a prayer. In the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, amen. Dear God, thanks for letting us have a very interesting day today. And I uh, pray that I'll be able to relate all these, uh, all the things that happened today and everything that happened this week well on this show and help us to be able to continue to grow the show and continue to uh, increase the amount of exposure our, our young men and women get for playing this beautiful game. Of course, name we pray. Amen. And Father, Son, Holy Spirit, Amen. Okay, everybody, I spent my day today at the uh, Louisiana Select uh, Association. Okay, LSA is what it's going to be called. It's the uh, it's a branch of the LHSAA. Um, I'm going to I'm going to be giving you a little bit of, of a. Uh, a little update of, of what happened today uh, in the second segment of our show, but we're going to de- dedicate our first segment of the show and what happened at Nationals, okay? Um, we talked last week about the U.S. Uh, club soccer results and how well we did there, and and uh, I think the litmus test, quite frankly, though, for all soccer, for youth soccer, is the U.S. Youth Soccer uh, National Championship Series. I really do. Um, we have had uh, a few teams now go. This year we had two, which was awesome. Uh, but the competition there is just phenomenal. And uh, it was in Kansas. And of course, there was some heat there. But uh, our Cajun Rage uh, U19s and our Fire Junior, Louisiana Fire Juniors U14 girls team uh, wound up going over there to Kansas and. Uh, and they did, and they did their very, very best. That's all you can ask. That's all you can ask for these uh, young ladies to do. Where we go from there is really something we're going to have to talk about next week at the Louisiana Annual General Meeting, which Monday Night Football is going to be there with our microphones and uh, and trying to get all the uh, activity for you, for you people who don't go to the Louisiana Annual General Meeting, um, so that way you can have your finger on the pulse of what's going on in club soccer. But uh, this is how it rolled. Uh, on Tuesday, Louisiana Fire Red uh, wound up having to play the Defeaters, uh, a Texas North Texas team, uh, which, by the way, won the national title. Okay, uh, they were the national champions, so we were just uh, blessed enough to have them in our group. And really, getting out of group is one of our big goals for Louisiana. I think that's our next baby step. Um, having two teams in nationals was a major, major step forward, and uh, I think everybody's going to realize that. And really, look, uh, for a Louisiana team to lose to a North Texas team at this level, only 3 nothing is is quite good. Okay, Um I think it is anyway. Uh, this uh, this team showed some resiliency, only allowing the national champions to score three goals. I know it's uh, it's hard to understand, uh, but y'all, there's a big difference between a three nothing loss and a seven nothing loss. Okay, and these teams can put some goals on you. The next day, they had to win to stay in contention to get out of bracket, and they wound up having to play the Tonka Fusion Elite from Minnesota. And they gave them a great, great, great game. 
um, but losing at the end one to nothing to the Tonka Fusion on Wednesday. So on Thursday, uh, really only a miracle could get them through. Uh, they still showed up to play uh, the um, New Jersey team, okay, and um, Stallions Fire. I wonder if they're from the same fire organization. Anyway, uh, and they kind of saw the same result they saw on Tuesday, three to nothing. So uh, a real rough, rough, rough week. Uh, a lot of money spent, uh, a lot of effort spent. Experiences, though, that, man, these girls are young. They're going to be going to their high schools now with these experiences. And once you've played against teams of this caliber, high school teams kind of kind of go to the wayside. So I think that uh, there's going to be a lot of um, of. I don't know if I a lot of residual good that comes from their experience from this last week. Now, when it comes to the U19 Cajun Rage, uh, their their story is a little bit different, okay? Uh, and I really do think that these girls who are going to play college ball, they got a chance to really taste what they're going to be up against next month and how hard they've got to train to get to that level. It's a... And, and girls soccer, uh, there's some bad college soccer out there. Don't get me wrong, but any of these girls are going to play Division One. Uh, this very, this is a very very good competition out there. All right, women's soccer is well developed in this country, and we've made that point pretty clear throughout the first uh, few episodes. Okay, anyway, um, um, the Cajun Rage had to play uh, um, an Illinois team. Okay. Uh, that was well accomplished, and and they put two goals on them, which is very very good. Okay, uh, however, uh, the champion United Red was able to post five, so that was a really heartbreaking loss. Uh, they were kind of crushed after it. Uh, we were keeping up with them on Twitter. Uh, appreciate everybody in the Cajun fan club uh, that they kept posting their results, so I didn't have to dig very hard for them, and uh, we kind of got a chance to hold their hand as they went through. Uh, so Wednesday was a must-win, and they did. Okay, they had to play this New Jersey team called Princeton Soccer Academy, and the Cajun Rage was able to win one and nothing. So that put them in a position where if they could win, uh, they can they can advance and, and break bracket. Which, correct me if I'm wrong, everybody out there, no Louisiana team has ever done. And so on Thursday they had to go at 11 o'clock in the morning. By the way, that Wednesday game was at 7 a.m. How insane is that? Okay, to me that's insane. I might be, uh, you know, unruly by saying that, but uh, 7 o'clock in the morning game, that means you're breakfasting the kids around 4. <laughs> you know, you're getting them moving around before 6. Uh, they're fully, man, that is that is a lot to ask for a, for a person who's not a professional. Okay, it really, really is. Anyhow, to, to, so to come up with a win after being uh, really hurt uh, the day before, that's really impressive. Now, they had to play the um, um, Minnesota team, Maple Brook Fury, and they had to win. Okay, it was it was a situation where the winner got to, got to advance, and if I understand it correctly, and Cajun Rage did very well. Uh, I'm pretty sure it was 0-0 at halftime. But then the Fury was able to break through, uh, put a goal in. And ironically, uh, Fury is one of the names that the Cajun Soccer Club uses. And um, But the Fury wound up winning one and nothing. 
and that ended the season. An outstanding season for both of these girls' teams, okay? Um, uh, they got a chance to go to Colorado, play in the high altitudes, and also um, take some hardware home, uh, some significant hardware home, a, uh, a national title and a national runner-up. And then they got a chance to go to USYS uh, Youth Soccer Tournament. And, you know, I think the results kind of speak uh, to what my opinion is. My opinion is exactly that. It's an opinion. And so uh, if you disagree, please put your comments on Monday Night Football's Facebook page or direct message me at Twitter. I'll be glad to get your point of view on. But U.S. Club Soccer is kind of an alternative uh, um, model, which – I think it's kind of fallen short in trying to solve our country's problems. Our country's problems really are um, uh, this pay-for-play system. And uh, and if a team's got to raise five to six thousand dollars in order to go play in a tournament, that's not solving our problems. Okay, it's just giving teams another another avenue to go play in. And U.S. Youth Soccer Championships are uh, it's a long, hard road. A lot of these girls have to play in the national. We call it a national league. And they have to travel all year long, not just um, not just for this tournament. And so the expenses of these girls, it could go upwards over $20,000 a year. And so uh, uh, it's still an awesome thing to be able to, to tow that uh, line, get the money that you need, uh, pay the coaches that you need to pay, um, pay the coaching directors, uh, pay the tournament fees, uh, pay all the uniform fees and uh, you name it, there's so many fees to pay for with the way we do things in the United States. And and uh, and so they did They did well, okay? Um, now, this week, uh, news, news hot off the presses. I'm not going to release names yet until they've formally announced uh, their break. But uh, uh, five teams are breaking from Louisiana Fire to go train at Bridge City Playground on the West Bank, ironically. Um, and to try to develop uh, what we've been doing at Soccer Innovation since 2004, uh, competitive soccer at a uh, at a rate that's very affordable, like $30 a month. And I think that's the solution. Uh, I think having more clubs like Soccer Innovations is not the solution. No offense, uh, you guys who are splintering off uh, Louisiana Fire, but I do think that what you're doing, though, is the solution. Bringing the, bringing the pay of soccer down, and and uh, it just would be nice if we all work together. Everybody says they want to work together to develop our talent and not water it down. But as you can see, if you're going to compete at the U.S. Youth Soccer uh, venue, uh, number one, you got to have your most talented team out there. So we shouldn't be diluting our talent. That was the whole purpose of a Louisiana Fire program to begin with. Number two, um, I think that for a team that is not well financed, there's got to be some some kind of uh, respite. I mean, we have a U.S. Soccer Foundation uh, that helps to bring soccer to the poor. Why not, instead of bringing playgrounds and equipment to the poor, how about bringing the poor to the playgrounds that that are playing and uh, and the coaches who are who are advanced? Uh, you scroll to two episodes earlier um i gave my solution to all of this and uh, which i haven't gotten much feedback of but um from but i think the money that we do have in u.s youth soccer can be best spent uh 
identifying talent at the very, very young ages and developing it and bring it to a place where it can be developed and paying the clubs the uh, what the what the children cannot afford to pay. You know, you pay your best. Uh, I'm a, I, I teach at De La Salle High School, and I've been in private education now for 38 years, and the way it kind of works is some kids get financial aid. They might have to do stuff, whatever. Like if they can't afford a nine to $12,000 tuition, doesn't mean that they should not be uh, – allowed to go into a school and participate and I don't know of a Catholic school in the New Orleans area that doesn't have a work study program or something like that a needs program or um, uh, something to help a kid who can't afford to go into a Catholic school get in and of course you have Good Shepherd School um, principals Tommy Moran a friend of mine and let me tell you they get they, the quality qualifications to get in that school is you have to be on the bottom 3% economically to even be considered for admission. And then they work from there, and they try to develop these kids into scholarship-worthy uh, scholars uh, to be able to go to any of the Catholic schools in the New Orleans area. Now, that's not a soccer solution, but that's definitely uh, along the realms of what I'd like to see done. Um, and we don't need to reinvent the wheel, okay? we got another club like Soccer Innovations coming around. Uh, we've already invented the wheel of Soccer Innovations. There's many other clubs uh, that are doing it the way we are doing it as well. And and uh, so, so funnel money to us, uh, you know, make us accountable for the money. But let us be able to bring these poor kids to these elite tournaments and, and see what they can do and, and develop them and make sure that the team's um, that are being developed are very, very talented teams. So we don't have to go to the Nationals every year and get waxed, which we didn't get waxed this year, thank God. But still, it's a dream of ours just to break bracket. Uh, um, I can't wait till the days where we expect, like Texas does, to win a title. But, y'all, it's apples and oranges again. I mean, the population of Texas and the population of Louisiana are not comparable. Okay, they're really, really not. And that's one thing that's really great about scholastic soccer is that we develop, like, we, we put kids in divisions uh, where they have equal competition. Okay, uh, uh, a, a school with 300 kids doesn't have to compete with a school with 2,000 kids. And, and and so, therefore, you know, they're a state champion on the 300 level, and which is good because there's no way they're going to win a state championship at a 2,000 level because that team with 2,000 students in, in their school can be four or five deep on the bench in a school with 300 people. You're lucky if you have 11 quality players on the field. So it's it's – it's how you want to develop the kids. It's how you want to move on. Um, I see a lot of really, really good Division One teams with a great amount of players sitting on the bench not being able to play to their seniors. And uh, I just wonder why you want to do that. And that's just a personal pet peeve of mine. I see so many kids who could start for me at De La Salle, which we're a Division Three school, um, that just ride the bench on some of these Division One schools until they're seniors. And I, I don't think there's anything – better than playing to develop your talent and and to have championships within your reach and be able to strive for them um so anyway we'll stop pontificating there and we'll have our first break but then after we come back uh, i'm going to tell you about what happened with this new sub association of the lhsa and why i'm very optimistic for soccer and uh the reason why i bring it to the show to begin with Anyhow, this is Coach Alan Derrida from Monday Night Football, your voice for youth soccer. I'll see you after the break. 
Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Monday Night Football, your voice for youth soccer. Again, I'm Coach Alan DeRuiter. I'm the head soccer coach at De La Salle for the boys and the girls, so please pray for me. And I'm also the director of coaching at Soccer Innovations of America. And and then I coach the kickers for football um, um, with a little bit of time that I can squeeze in. And uh, a very, very, very difficult life I have, I think. And uh, uh, Anyhow, I represented De La Salle football today at the uh, Louisiana Select Association meeting at Turnley's Catholic in, in wonderful Lafayette, Louisiana. And uh, the meeting today was, was quite encouraging to me, uh, which I was not expecting it to be. The first thing that we had to do, I mean, the meeting would have dis would just have disbanded if we didn't vote on this. And uh, the whole idea was, do we want to even have an association like this, okay, which is a subgroup of the LHSAA, so that way the, uh, the select schools can have one voice instead of 108 different voices with their own agendas, Um at the January meeting that's so, so, so important to making LHSAA um, um, policy. And what we wound up doing was for at least for one calendar year, um, all of the schools that were present, there were about eight schools not present, which aggravated a lot of us, but the majority of the schools were there and they voted to do this. And so as soon as we decided that we were going to have an association, uh, then what wound up happening was um, we wound up uh, breaking up and trying to figure out, okay, um, are we going to do away with this whole policy with LHSA uh, that if a team is the highest seed, if there's not going to be a neutral site, okay, which, by the way, I guess I put the cart before the horse. I don't know if a lot of y'all realize this. But, uh, of course, this isn't in soccer, but it's in the, the quote-unquote major sports uh, that we broke away from the LHSAA because, really, I mean, they were putting games like uh, um, semifinal and final matches at like 10 in the morning on a Wednesday, okay? I mean, that is really disrespectful. It's kind of like, you know, we felt like the LHSAA was kind of like sticking it to us for for the split and... And uh, and really, everybody in the room doesn't like the split. I mean, I'll tell you that right away. Uh, but uh, we definitely don't like having the fact that, you know, you have a state championship game between Dominican and Mount Carmel in basketball. And if you're going to have it in Alexandria or Lake Charles at 10 o'clock in the morning on a Wednesday, forget about having a crowd, especially since the games are televised, you know, and you can hear crickets chirping in the crowd when really they, they should be experiencing a roar of the crowd and, and, um, uh, just the joy of having having that crowd rooting for them and the other team having a huge crowd rooting for them, you know, in the background. So we wound up breaking up and everybody took a big deep breath and we kind of voted on by division whether or not we wanted to um, forego our rights to host a state championship game if we're the top seed. And it only takes one vote, one, to to stop LHSA from, let's say, having a na uh, neutral site for for a division. We have um, we have five divisions in the big sports and. Um, they're talking like, you know, either having these games at ULL 
Tulane, Southeastern. Those schools made some tremendous offers. Uh, there were also some offers like from Ed Daniels, a friend of our show here, to have the basketball tournament at the Alario Center. And uh, uh, this great softball complex in Lafayette trying to have the L- the uh, LHSAA softball tournament there. And, and that way the games could be held on Friday nights and Saturdays. And so that way a crowd can be there. But it only needed one rogue vote to make sure that uh, then there's no way in the world we can have a neutral site. Okay, because you got to negotiate these things in advance. And if there's a possibility that a rogue team could be the number one seed or the highest seed and decide to have their game at home, okay, uh, then they can't have this, you know, the game at a, at a neutral site, which, by the way, the Superdome is still considered to be a possible neutral site. All right. One thing that um, um, Ryan uh, held the, um, excuse me, um, Brian Gallagher, I'm thinking about uh, Eric Held at LHSA. Brian Gallagher, both of those guys I taught. Anyhow, Brother Martin. Uh, but Ryan Gallagher is the president, I mean, the principal at Brother Martin right now. He was kind of like in charge of a lot of the meetings. And uh, and uh, he was just telling us how they were amazed that as soon as we broke, how many people came to them to offer their services and to get them on their campuses. Okay, so really there's a competitive bid going out. Because really, all five divisions voted to forego our rights in order to uh, um, uh, for this calendar year, so that the executive committee now can try to negotiate a uh, state championship neutral site for all of these sports. Well, for those of you who don't know, it's it's uh, baseball, basketball, football for the men, and of course for the ladies, it's uh, it's softball and basketball and volleyball. So. Um, Anyway, uh, uh, the the vote was was like in our division. We had to call five coaches who didn't show up, or really it was five principals. The principals, our athletic directors, should have shown up, and uh, and we got them to agree. And at least in my division, and and in football we're division two, and soccer we're division three, and then uh, and then we went to um, a, a regional breakout meeting to see like in our regions the regions are kind of unique they have a region uh for the select schools region one is the uh i don't know how you put lake charles with shreveport monroe but that's what it is region two is uh the lafayette area region three is jefferson parish tammany say tammany uh region four is the greater new orleans and Region 5 is basically uh, Baton Rouge down the river, okay? And and all those regions got to get together and, and voice their concerns um, whether or not they wanted to keep going on this track. And uh, most of them were in agreement. And then we went to the sport breakout meetings. And there was a lot of real talk out there about the fact that uh, the way everything can be situated, if you get all of the the hands out of the pot um um coach monica uh, from saint charles catholic said this he said um there is in the sec okay if alabama wins a bowl game vanderbilt gets a cut and there's there is an easy way with some prior planning and and good organized financial people at the top that that can even happen right now um, um football is bringing home 
the the teams that win the state championships in football are bringing home as much money as they would bring home in a jamboree. Now, what does this have to do with soccer, right? Well, a couple of things. Number one, football rules here. And so if your football program is not supporting the soccer program, you already got problems. You got a lot of fundraising to do. I've been really blessed. Uh, I have the support of the football program, and the way I do it is I coach the kickers. Um, they make field goals and punts uh, that make and, and kick the ball into the end zone. That makes football happy. Football is happy. Uh, and uh, and one thing I think you might want to look at, too, is the fact that at Brother Martin especially, I experienced this where the varsity football coaches were coming after my JV to get starters for the defensive backfield and linebackers because uh, soccer players make great defensive players in American football. As long as they're tough enough, you know, most of our players are tough enough. So um, there's a good relationship that you can have with football and soccer. It doesn't have to be negative. I wore my soccer shirt to the to the meeting, and I got some, you know, frowny faces at me like, what's a soccer guy doing in here? Uh, we did have uh, a couple of big guns there. Trevor Watkins uh, from St. Paul's, who I think is the, the – um, the founding father of St. Paul's soccer and Doug Hamilton, who I think is the founding father of Vanderbilt soccer. We were both there. Um, um, of course, and I, I was there too. And, and uh, so soccer had a presence there just to see what was going on. But what made me encourage everybody was this, is that there's a feeling that if we really show that we're serious and we're a serious threat to be comfortably away from the LHSAA, that, there will be a strong movement afoot to reunite us because uh, money talks and there's a lot of money in private schools, okay? Um, uh, you put a private school game, you put a Rummel versus a Catholic High State Championship game um, in New Orleans or in Baton Rouge uh, at 7 p.m. on a Friday or a Saturday night, you're going to have a lot of people there paying a lot of money. And that money now is not going to go to the LHSA. It's going to go to the LSA, which I don't think is going to go over very well. And uh, we'll we'll see how it goes. I mean, by theory, the uh, public schools should bring in as much money uh, as the private schools. Uh, I think that that's kind of naive thinking. And I do believe we might be talking 12 months from now about the LHSA aggressively trying to reunite all of the sports like we are in soccer. And and so, what's good news for that? I guess from me, a soccer point from a soccer point of view is we don't want to see a split LHSA for soccer. Okay, we I think we have one too many state championships in soccer personally, and to split that up into eight would really trivialize the state championships, which they have been right now. I talked to an elite Hall of Fame American football coach today, who has gotten out of the game because. He just is not motivated. There's only nine teams in his division throughout the whole state. And to only have to compete against nine teams, it's, it's depressing. You know, you never get a crack at West Monroe or Neville, uh, th- those powerhouse schools, you know. And, and uh, I'm glad that in our situation, you know, a Jesuit can play Lafayette high and, and, and sell it on the field. Okay, uh, Mandeville High can play St. Scholastica uh, and settle it on the field instead of having a public school champion and a private school champion. So uh, we've been suffering with this stuff for for quite a while now uh, with this break. 
And it's, it's hurt a lot of soccer programs because of the lack of money the football programs have been able to bring in. Football makes more money, y'all. The school makes more money. Soccer gets more money. Like it or not, LSU soccer will thrive if LSU football thrives. Okay? Um, I sat down with Jodine twice. Uh, the, uh, he used to be the athletic director of LSU in, in, in the um, break of the millennium. And we pretty much figured out that uh, to have a boys soccer team would just be way too expensive because of Title IX. And we'd have to start a women's rowing team and a women's rifle team, you know. And so it's already expensive without football being being successful. So uh, if, if, so if you're walking, if you're a gymnast at LSU, you're at the football game screaming because the more money that's on the campus, the better your facilities can be and the better your program can be. All right, so let's hope this is a step, not a permanent step, as as a, a continual break, so that soccer may wind up joining. I'm hoping that this is a chance in the next 12 months that the 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 um, quote unquote major sports can rejoin us in playing together and getting along together. I really think the solution is really simple. Uh, if anybody out there in the, in the LHSAA is listening, just make sure the teams that make the playoffs. You comb their records. You comb their files. Uh, it's it's pretty obvious before the last week of the season who the top teams are. If they're going to be private, go to their office, check their records, check to see if they're playing straight, and uh, and have people. That's what we pay our dues for. Have the people investigate and see whether or not it is a uh, it, it it's being done legit, and then let the kids play. You know, the kids want to play the best teams and. And they want to be known as the best, not the best of blank. Okay, and uh, I would really hope that, that those days come again. Well, you got to hear me rant twice, <laughs> and I uh, really appreciate you listening along with me. Let us know what you think on our Facebook Live feed, and uh, also on, on Twitter, at both of those at the at sign, M-N-F-U-T-B-O-L. And we we'll hope to see you next week, God willing. And God bless you and your families. And uh and uh, enjoy every minute of life that you have. Enjoy this last week of summer, kids, because school's coming. Take care. Bye-bye.